Hi, everybody. Welcome to Kosha's Corner episode. As you may or may not know, I am currently on maternity leave, and all the coaching episodes are fresh coaching episodes that drop Wednesday. I batched a bunch of them, but we thought it'd be fun for Coach's Corner to mix it up a little bit. And one of the things we're doing is airing interviews I've done on other people's podcasts on this show. So you're about to hear someone else interview me, you get to know someone else, you get to know their podcast, maybe you get to know more about me, and we hope you enjoy this interview. And I'd like to thank my sponsor for the show, which is Organifi, my favorite place to get all kinds of yummy, nutritious things. Today, I want to talk to you about their Organifi Gold. This is an alternative to melatonin. Maybe some of you take melatonin to relax, to go to sleep, which is great, but how about something that's super delicious? Organifi Gold is this awesome turmeric powder mixed with all kinds of other yummy stuff, different mushrooms and adaptogens and all kinds of yummy stuff that you can put in your almond milk, your coconut milk, your regular milk, whatever, heat it up and just savor it. It's so, so yummy and it really can help you with sleep struggles. It's a great melatonin alternative. You know, melatonin has a half-life. So for some of us, it can leave us feeling a little groggy the next day. Instead, if you're looking for something to just relax you, help you with sleep, help a little with inflammation and that just tastes really, really good, Go to Organifi.com slash over it, get your turmeric gold. Well, they don't call it turmeric gold. They call it just gold. <laughs> I call it turmeric gold because it has so much yummy turmeric in it and add it to your cart and you get 20% off as my listener using the promo code over it. All right. We are back with master coach and author, Christine Hassler. Christine, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, guys, Christine and I just found out that we are long lost homies. Um, <laughs> I I thought for sure that that was you, but like I wasn't sure. So we used to work together 20 yep. years ago. Oh my yep. gosh, we're dating us, girl. I know, uh, I know. Right? I cannot believe that was so long ago at a little personal training gym on Robertson. When I think we were both really in that, what am I doing with my life phase? Yes. And like doing the personal training, but not really loving it. <laughs> like just like trying to figure things out. And I can't believe it was been 20 years. And it's, I was so excited to be on your show. Cause I was like, this is a bit of a reunion as well. Yeah, that's crazy. And I remember, um, cause you wrote a book, I think way before I got on Biggest Loser. And that, that was, yeah, yeah that was the- the 20, it was like the 20 something crisis or it was like, it was like a crisis for 20 year olds where you're like, yeah, 20 something, 20, everything. It was the whole quarter life crisis for quarter life crisis. That was it, dude. That was (laughs) it. The quarter life crisis. And I remember being like, holy shit, I'm having a quarter life crisis. Yeah, me too. Um, and now like here we are. So, uh, you're not having a quarter life crisis. You're not having any kind of identity crisis at all. You're, you're very well established. (laughs) Tell me what the hell has gone on with you the last two decades? How did you end up being a, oh my gosh. a guru, homie? Well, I don't know if I'd reached guru status, but you don't think? even I think no, so. No, maybe, maybe when I'm dead. I don't know. I think <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm still such a student of life. Um, all gurus you know, are though. Best teachers. I guess that's true. I, you students. know what? If you want to call me a guru, I will I, go for it. I will. Perfect. Re- I will do so. That. I'll receive it. Um, you know, even when I was training people back in the day, where we knew each other, I enjoyed talking to them way more than I enjoyed training them. 
I wanted to know about their life. I wanted to help them solve their problems. I, that, I cared much more about that than how many bicep curls they did or what their body fat composition was. Right. And all my clients loved talking to me. They, they just wanted to come. They came and work out, but they really just wanted to talk to me. And at the same time, I was working with a life coach named Mona Miller. And I just was so hungry for personal development. I don't know if you remember this part, Jillian, but when I was working at At Your Side, I was engaged and my fiance ended up dumping me six months before the wedding. So I was going through all that while I was trying to get out of debt because my previous career had been in Hollywood and sort out my life. And so the 20 something, 20, everything was really a result of my own quarter life crisis, my broken engagement, my failed Hollywood, not my failed Hollywood career. I was actually really successful, but I hated it. So I left (laughs) (laughs) problems with my parents, financial struggles and health struggles that I went through. And so I wrote this book really for me in so many ways, because I couldn't find a book. There were books out there on the quarter life crisis, but I couldn't find the one that talked about like the inside, the emotions, because I knew the answer wasn't in finding a job or getting in a relationship. There was, there was more internal stuff that was going on. And so that book was- So the my, stuff that gets in your way of like the healthy relationship and, and the fulfilling absolutely. job. Like right. issues with your parents, childhood stuff you never got over, all the limiting beliefs we have about ourselves, the compensatory strategies that we do to avoid dealing with our emotions, like all that stuff. Like no human being escapes issues from childhood that end up haunting you in your adulthood. Like it all impacts us. We all get impacted in some way or another. And so I just became super hungry for personal development. It helped me so much. It helped me more than just traditional therapy, which I had been in since I was 11 years old. And that, that really was, that book really was the beginning of becoming a coach, writing two more books, being a speaker, leading retreats around the world, hosting podcasts, and just doing what I do now. I eventually went back and got a master's degree in spiritual psychology and consciousness, health, and healing. And this, this whole world of figuring out who we are, what we want, and how we get it in a really aligned way is, is my passion. But I had to go through a lot of bumps in the road. Like since you've known me, I've been engaged three times. So one fiance dumped me, got one divorce, and now married to the love of my life. So that's just my relationship category. I can tell you about a lot of other bumps in the road, but I've been uh, my best student along the way. I think that's that's just all so relatable. And the fact that you've been there, done that, lived through mm. it, come through it, and and found that light at the end of the tunnel professionally, personally. Um, and as you said, are you still a student of life? That, that's yeah. completely normal. But, uh, you know, you talk about being impacted as a kid and how that affects everything in Mm -hmm. your adult life. Can you illustrate some Mm -hmm. of the ways um, that, quote, inner child goes forward Mm -hmm. and then makes a mess of your adult life? Yeah. Well, I think it's more about you're trying to figure out your life and it Mm. looks like a mess. We we don't (laughs) like, (laughs) we we don't consciously, like no one sets out and is like, oh, I'm going to just really try to make a mess of my entire life because that would be fun. We're really trying (laughs) to get it together but because we have the, a lot of what I would say inner child wounding and just stuff we haven't gotten over, we're still struggling. So I'll illustrate with this with some examples. I'll start with myself and then I'll give some client examples. Yeah, I want oh. people to like go, oh yeah, that's me. Because yeah. it's like, otherwise it sounds so kind of obscure and abstract. It does. It sounds like psychobabble kind of stuff. So for me, uh, one of the things that I dealt with as a kid was being a super late bloomer, super awkward, big nerd, lots of bullying and teasing. So there was, I hate Christine club. 
Um, I, I, since I was such a late bloomer, boys would throw tissue paper at me as I was walking down the hall and tell me to stuff my bra with that. Um, I got locked in a locker once I was president of the goody goody club. Like I just had a lot of just mean girl stuff happen and, and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just, and, and my life, you know, compared to what other people have been through is looks like a cakewalk. But one thing that's important to do, and I'll come back to the example in a second, is when we're looking at our past, not compared to other people. So a lot of the reason why people don't deal with their childhood is because they're like, well, I was never abused. You know, yes, my parents never yes, left me. Yes, they weren't alcoholics. They weren't exactly. drug addicts. They didn't hit me. Nobody exactly. molested me. Hundred percent. So, so therefore, I don't deserve yep. to have an issue with my childhood. Yes. And so they just never look at it. Meanwhile, God. all this stuff is Great happening point. in their adulthood that's undesirable, and is going to require going back and validating. You know, even though this might not have been abuse or having an alcoholic father, there's still things that impacted me. So. Coming back to my example, all that bullying and teasing formed, it it, it did a lot of things. One, there was a lot of shame, anger, and sadness that I just held, that I just repressed. Because when you're going through something like that, feeling all the emotions that go along with it can feel overwhelming. So what human beings do is we stuff, we suppress, which is why I got put on antidepressants at a very young age. And then that was a whole nother story about something being wrong with me. I was put on antidepressants, Prozac at 11 years old. So in addition to all the teasing, there was this huge story of like, my brain doesn't work. Something's wrong with me. And that was still back in the day where there was even more shame to mental health disorders than there is now. There's still a lot of shame. There's still a lot of secrecy with mental health. People feel like they have to live in the shadows, but even back then, this was the eighties, there was even more. It was extremely prevalent. Yeah. I think what's, what's wrong with medication, antidepressants and any medication is that it's, it's not prescribed in thorough ways. Like we our our healthcare system. That's a whole nother topic, but doctors really aren't taking the time to really ask, you know, what happened to you, what's going on in your life. It's just, there's a problem. Let's solve it. Here's a pill. And so back to the example of how this impacted my adult life is with that, with all that suppressed emotions, I had depression, um, and being on antidepressants, like I didn't feel, I didn't feel a lot period. So I wasn't feeling a lot of the joy and excitement for life either with that story of not fitting in, not belonging. I thought, okay, well, and this is what we all do. Whenever we feel less than or hurt in one category of our life, how the ego and how part of our psyche survives is it has to overcompensate in another area. Otherwise it's like no way out. So I overcompensated for all my insecurity because we could just sum all that up in massive insecurity by being a huge overachiever. I thought if I don't have friends- But see, why is that no bad? I'd me, be like, I don't see why that's bad. So why it's bad is because it's like a bucket with holes. There was no amount of achieving that would ever solve the wounds of my childhood. Because what I really wanted, Jillian, what like I really wanted was to be accepted, to belong, to be loved. And I, by the time I was 25, I was an agent in Hollywood representing TV writers, producers, and directors, like such a young age to reach that level. But my massive overachieving is what got me there. Outside looked great. Inside, so unhappy. And it was like, I would reach a, a level of success and expect all my problems to go away. And they wouldn't, it was just like, it highlighted the emptiness. So achieving ambition, having a passion for things in life isn't bad at all. That's awesome. But that overachieving in a compensatory kind of way where I'm looking for my achievements to heal and fill the void within me, that's a dead end. So 
Another Validate example. Your worth. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it now. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's let's look at relationships for a moment. So let's say that you had um, a father who never said he was proud of you, never said he loved you. You were like always seeking that love, that validation. He was emotionally unavailable, distant. And so as an adult, you're going to go out looking for a partner. It doesn't matter what gender they are. You're going to start looking for a partner that's like dad. That right. Could come so you male can or change female. that person, right? Exactly. Yes. So I'm going to look for someone who's emotionally unavailable, yep. who's a little distant, who shut down and hope that that person can love me to replace right. the void that, that dad left. Conquer that demon. Yes, exactly. I, I totally, I get it. Uh, you know, you talk about like overcompensating in such a big way. Like I, I know the repetition compulsion of like, I have this problem, I'm going to recreate it and try, try to solve it. But, you know, I haven't thought about it with regard to like, as a kid, I didn't feel I could lean on certain, anyone, to be honest, really. Mm. And um, my grandmother, but she died when I was 10. And now I'm like, I don't need anybody. I don't right. need you. I don't need this. I don't need that. I can handle it myself. I'll pay someone to help me with it so I'm not indebted. Mm-hmm. And like, literally, it's amazing because my girlfriend is like, babe, I, I hate when you're like this. It's such a gross quality. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just so awful. And it makes people feel awful. And like, you don't need them. You don't value mm. them. They can't contribute. And I'm Oh shit. It's like, you can't let them in because it's too scary. It's like, you're going to disappoint me anyway. Yes. So I'm not going to let you in because I'm protecting myself. 100%. I was reading the questions on your website, uh, before, before you came on and it's literally all about like, all right, is this you? Are you unfulfilled? Are you having trouble getting over a relationship? Mm -hmm. Are you, you know, worried financially? Like you're not making progress. Everything is about in my opinion, just absolutely being stuck in your life. Yeah. Um, And not knowing what to do about it and trying all kinds of things to get unstuck and then beating yourself up because you're trying all these things and you perceive yourself as failing. It's, it's such a frustrating position to feel like you're on a hamster wheel. It really, really is. And that's why I love and why I always will have my own coach too, because my role as a coach is to like, kind of take you into the cave of your awareness where all the writings on the wall, all the answers are there but I just have the flashlight. And so many people are just trying to figure out things on their own in the dark. And when you have someone there that can illuminate things, it's like, oh, this is why I'm stuck. And the other thing that's so frustrating about the human experience sometimes, but I'm glad I know this now, is when we try to change things on the external level, but we don't do the work on the internal level, that's when we really feel like we're on the hamster wheel. So let's say we're in like, just bad job after bad job. We keep thinking the right job is going to change things, but maybe what really needs to be changed is our self-worth issues or our inability to speak up for ourselves because we have authority issues or, you know, not really being able to go after what we love because a parent said to us at one point or another, you can't make money doing that. That's ridiculous. It's not responsible. Right. Right. Not responsible, not practical. That's my favorite. Right. (laughs) I actually want to get into the solution of this, but to give another kind of anecdote about exactly what you're talking about, uh, I was talking to like a guy, a money guy. I have often found sometimes, and I hate, I'm not this woman, and I certainly hate to be a victim, but I find that it's very difficult in certain cases to get people to listen. 
Mm. And I, I often will just like default to my business partner. I'm like, well, they'll listen to men. And I can't, I like, I'll jump up and down. I'll kick and scream. I'll try being nice. I'll try being stern. I'll try all these things. And they just ignore me. Like our lawyer, if I email him, he doesn't get back to me. I literally have to wow. eat. I have to contact my business partner. I'm like, can you do me a favor? Can you email and ask for blah, 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 blah. It's like, and I'm like, well, it's just society. You know, it's just, it's, you have to, you know, you have to, women are just treated differently. And this guy pointed out, he's like, well, you're allowing this. You're not holding your boundaries. Mm. You're not following through with your, you know, your, and what do you think about that? I have a different sense of it. Do you? Because it's like, it's very easy to default to being a victim. And you talk about that. Like if you want to get out of that space, you feel like you're being victimized by this person, that person, society, this, that, the other. Yeah. Do you think that it's me, that it's, it's like my inability to really be like, no, I mean it. No, I'm serious. Cause I don't <laughs> no, want I don't you to not like it. me. You know, here's what came up for me when you told this story. So you didn't say this exactly about your childhood, but what I got a sense of is that you really didn't feel seen. Like you just yeah. didn't feel seen, especially by the people that you wanted to feel seen by that no matter what you did, no matter how loud you kicked and screamed, like they really just weren't showing up for you really weren't feeling seen. And it feels like the same thing with this lawyer. It's like, look, this is my business. Like, why aren't you paying attention to me? It has that same feeling to me of like, why aren't you seeing me? Why aren't you meeting my needs? So here's the thing. And it's, it's, it'd be so much easier. Like, I wish I could blame the stuff that frustrated me in, in life all on other people or society or gender norms <laughs> or whatever. Like, I wish I could. It'd be so much more, or my parents or whatever. But here's right. what I've noticed is that for lack of a better word, the universe, our external reality will keep providing the same triggering situations in our life Mm. until we heal the internal wound that basically is at the root of those triggering situations. So for you, sorry to get personal. You can stop me. No, please. I I bring it up for like, it's so much. It's like, do your magic on me. Like, let's, (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's relatable for people. For you, you know, just this, again, like it's not this huge T trauma of like abuse or any, or neglect or abandonment, but not feeling seen and not getting needs met, especially by your parents is a biggie. And so you had to develop this whole persona, this whole coping strategy of like, I just get stuff done on my own. And there's a whole story of, I can't rely on other people. So that's the belief system. And that's the story. And that's the lens you look through that's what you're going to attract. That's what's going to happen in your life until you really heal and deal with that little girl, that inner child who just not, did not get her needs met. And because there weren't, see the thing about not having parents that were available is not only do we not get our needs met, but we don't know how to communicate our needs because to learn how to communicate our needs, we have to have people that can meet them. So you missed out on a whole developmental stage of your life. And now as an adult, it's like you, you, are doing a good job of communicating to the best of your ability, but this energy is still underneath there. So it's thwarting the, the, the communication and you're ending up with the same frustration. I bet if you feel into it and think about it, a lot of this frustration has remnants of how you felt as a child. Oh my God. Frustrated, alone, people don't get out of me. Yes. (laughs) It's it's, okay. So I, we got to take a break. I can feel Cindy about to text me, ping me. Um, <laughs> but when we come back, I want to talk about the how-to of everything you're okay. talking about. Like how, 
do you actually do that? Like, how do you heal when that time has come and gone and those people don't change and don't listen? And before I make everybody feel defeated, we're going to come right back with solutions with master coach and author and my long lost homie, Christine Hassler. Okay, guys, we are back with master coach and author, best-selling author, Christine Hassler. Um, and you were kind enough to highlight for me all of the ways and reasons we get stuck and repeat negative patterns. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I feel like that's step one, right? It's like, okay, there's a problem. Like yeah. Houston. <laughs> and I, and I, I see, right? Like I see it. I get it. I know it. And it's like the lights are on. But now we don't, we don't know how to fix it. And for me to even mm-hmm. say after years of therapy, like that, I'm still unpacking this shit mm-hmm. says a lot. So mm-hmm. you know, what, what does someone do? You're talking about healing the, the inner child and all of that. Mm-hmm. How, how? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish I could answer this in a podcast or a right. five-step program. I <laughs> so wish I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> right. I get so, it. You know, I have a whole course that goes into this, which we can talk about later, but I want to give some, just some basic things to help people start to see some light in this, because I'm sure a lot of people can relate to you. Tell me about the course first. (laughs) And then uh, I actually hold, stop it. Tell me, tell me about that. And then, and then you can, you can highlight some of that stuff for me, but that's like the meat and potatoes here, because you're right. You can't give it all to me in a podcast. You You can't. Shine that light and then guide people to the bigger solution, which is the book, the course, et cetera. Yes. So thank you for that. The course is called Personal Mastery. And I called it that because it's it's really becoming a master of ourselves, our own emotions, our own thoughts, our own behaviors, and our own spirituality, whatever that means to us. Not, not religious, not denominational, just that we're more than just as flesh and bones, that there's something more energetically to us. And that there's something more, call it universe, call it God, call it whatever you want, that we have a connection to. And so I developed this course because I get this question a lot, how? Okay, Christine, thanks for connecting the dots, but how, how, how? We all wanna know how, how do I fix myself? First of all, none of us are broken. So that's number one. And if we come at therapy or any personal development work from a fix it mentality, we're just gonna end up looping again because that belief there's something wrong with me doesn't really support our healing. And so the personal mastery course really is, gosh, two decades of my own work, everything from life coaching to psychology to energy work to all of it combined into a five-week course that you can go at your own pace. It's five modules. You can do it however you want to do it. And we go through how to heal emotionally, how to change your mind and your thoughts and your limiting beliefs, how to shift your behavior so you're not in patterns and reactions anymore. So you're really aware of why you're doing the things you do. Because if we look at our behavior only three to 5% of any of our behavior is consciously driven. Yeah. He's like, that's why you can't do the work alone. We can't, we need someone to shine the flashlight on it. And you know, this course is for people that may not, you know, want to go to therapy and may not be able to afford a coach or have done that and want to do more of that self-study work with a guide. And so on that behavioral level, we lower, we lower the water of the iceberg so that you can actually see more of what's driving your behavior. And then that, that spiritual section is really looking at like everything that happens to us and for us in life is for our growth. Even if it sucks, even if it's the worst thing that we can ever imagine, 
there's a deeper reason to it, but we don't want to bypass. Like I'm not somebody that's like, Oh, you just got dumped that there's a silver lining and everything like rejection is God's protection. I'm not one to do that because I believe we have to feel and go through the reality of the human experience before we can get to the lesson. So that's why that section is later in the course. The beginning of the course is like, you're in your human experience. I teach you a big thing that people don't know how to do is feel and process their emotions in a healthy way. People know how to cry, but without self-compassion. So they have a cry about something, but the whole time they're judging, they're analyzing, they want to figure out the situation. They feel like a victim. So it's just recycled emotions. Those tears come out, but they just go back in. The sadness is never freed because in order for us to really free ourselves from sadness and pain, we have to have compassion for ourselves. And most of us have a lot of criticism for ourselves, and about this much compassion, like just a teeny bit amount of compassion. And so learning that self-compassion and learning how to feel and release our emotions rather than recycle them is huge. I have felt that um, in the last 18 months, right? Where I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I there were some things that kind of happened and I looked back and, and then you're like, wow, like this is kind of effed up. Like this was a mess. But I worry then I'm like, am I like a victim now? Because then there's a stigma to that, right? And then it's like, how do I not feel? There's a huge, yeah. the compassion thing I think sometimes gets lost in, for some of us, yeah. in, in feeling like you're allowing yourself to be a victim. I'm so glad you brought this up because the whole be strong thing is, I don't want to ever say that to anyone or have anyone say that to me. You know, I, I went through a loss earlier this year and people were like, you're strong, you'll get through this. And I'm like, oh. please don't tell. That's the last thing I want to, I want to hear because I make that mean I can't feel, I have to just push through. And that's what we get rewarded for a lot in society is like, let's just be strong because we don't want to be a victim right. and victim. Like we can only really be in victim when we think that everything happens to us and we have no power in the world and the world is against us. And we're just this like powerless piece of flesh, just bobbing along life when we're actually hurt, <laughs> like whatever happened, whatever oh, happened, so you're like, this powerless piece of flesh. I'm like, holy shit. I don't want to be that. Christine. No, none of us want to do that. And, and for, for the most part, we aren't, but we're humans and things happen and we're going to be upset. And we're going to feel bad and we're going to feel sad and we're going to feel like we got the short end of the stick sometimes. And that's normal. It's normal to feel that. We just don't want to stay there forever. And right. I think that so right. many people, because they're so afraid to be a victim, don't allow themselves to have compassion for their human experience. Like if something happened and someone hurt you or you had a loss or things didn't go as planned, you had a failure or something like that you're going to feel it. You're going to feel sad. You may feel some shame. You may feel some anger. You're going to feel some disappointment. And it is irrational to think that we're not. And so just allowing that is to me, acceptance is the first step. If we get to the how-to, acceptance is the first step to any change. Like I have to accept the fact that I'm sad right now. I have to accept the fact that I lost my job right now. I have to accept the fact that I've been in this pattern for maybe decades. Okay. Like, let me stop fighting with reality. And yes. that's what drops that's us into compassion. So yeah. true. You're totally right. I, and my, my shrink will say that. He's like, but this is what's real. Yeah. This is what's actually happening. That, yeah. But this is what you're actually dealing with. That's that's like asking up to be down. I'm like, but why can't it be down? Like, but I you're, know. I get it. No, you're, I got it. Okay. And that why question, oh, that, that question gets us nowhere most of the time. No. Nowhere. 
You're right. It's just a, it's it's just a complete waste. It's like playing out a fantasy. It goes nowhere. It does nothing. That like bargaining stage of uh, oh, but if or but why? Or I, yeah. It just it's like, but it is like you yeah. can sit there and say, why did this person do this? Why did they do that? Why are they? And why do you think, though, that we feel the need to understand it? Is it so we don't internalize it? Like control. (laughs) We want control because whenever think of any time you've been asking that question, your world just got turned upside down on one level or another. You're in Uh, uncertainty. hundred percent. Yes. So whenever we're in uncertainty, it's like I want some kind of control. And if I just know why that will satiate my urge for control and will help me deal with this massive uncertainty. So that's another big part of healing is we have to be okay with the unknown. We have to like develop our muscle to be in the uncertainty, to be in the not knowing. And for those of us who knowing things and controlling things and running our own ship and being super independent and having to fend for ourselves and not really relying on other people, that uncertainty is hell on earth. It's (laughs) awful. And so if we can't control external situations, we want to know why exactly it's happening because we think that that intellectual knowing will give us some sense of control. God, you're girl. I guess there's a reason you became a master coach, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had to figure all this out for myself, you know? And the other thing that's, I think, really important to mention is because I've been where you are in that, like, and I am in aspects of my own life, that frustration of I've dealt with this before. I'm still unpacking this. Oh my gosh. Right. What has really helped me with that is understanding that we have all these different parts of us. So we're actually naturally multiple. I don't mean we have multiple personality, but we're naturally, we have multiple parts. I'm sure you can think of a time where you're like, well, a part of me feels this way, but a part of me feels this way. And a part of me talks to me this way. But, and so there's actually a therapeutic model called internal family systems, which talks about like, we have all these different parts and we have these parts that are called protector parts and they form very like way back in childhood. So I'll just use you as an example, if you don't mind. Please. So like you had a little girl in there who wasn't getting her needs met, who didn't feel seen. So you had to develop this part that just handled shit, that just took care of things, that just is like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to handle things. I can't trust anybody. Get out of my way. And, you know, that part we could maybe say looks controlling. We could say that that part maybe looks like it shuts out other people. And we could say like, you need to change this. Like, this is not, you need to let people in. You need to delegate, like all that kind of stuff. But this part thinks it's protecting you on so many levels. It's like tied to a really, really positive intention, which is it's trying to get your needs met and it's keeping you safe. You safe. So what I've had to do with these kind of parts in me, like I have a very big inner critic part because it got developed when I was like, well, if I'm harder on myself right than at- anyone else is, it'll protect me. And I so wow. want to get rid of it, but I've had to learn it has a positive intention. So we have to sort of accept and make friends with these parts that we hate about ourselves, these things that we hate about ourselves, and really ask, what is this positive intention and how can I get it in a more healthy way, instead of trying to destroy this aspect of me. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like you're integrating it. Yes. And you're redirecting it in a way that is like, you're, you're, you're still achieving, you're looking for the positive outcome, but in a way that isn't unhealthy. It's like, 
when I right. try to teach people to nurture themselves, but not with food. It's like, I, I want you to right. comfort yourself and nurture yourself and, and to feel a sense of control and, and, but, but do it maybe in, in a way where you're beautifying yourself or you're doing, yeah. you're, you're engaging in a hobby or you're doing it like, like almost on a behavioral level, not on the deeper level, like you're talking about, but it does make perfect sense. Cause it's the like, same thing. Yep. You're integrating it, but you're not trying to deny it or stuff it or shut it right. down. You're trying to really understand it and see that it's trying to help you and, and update it. Because remember these parts were formed when we were super young. And you know, one thing I have to tell to my inner critic part is like, you know, we're not 12 anymore. You know, we've got people in our life that love us. Like we, it's okay. We can tone this down a little bit and really work with it. And I've seen that just knowing it's not me. Cause what's so frustrating. We get in these patterns and we get in kind of these bad voices in our head is we think it's us. And then it's like so much harder to change because it feels like all of us and it feels overwhelming. It's like, how will I ever change this? And if we know it's just a part, it's not all of us. And that we have like a really steady self that's, that's loving, that's present, that's in present day reality, that's in acceptance, that's in compassion, that can work with those parts. Right. They become less overwhelming. I remember I read um, a book that my mom actually had given me about obesity. Um, mm. And it kind of dove into the reasons yeah. uh, and the psychology behind why people choose to eat more or why they choose to be a bigger size or why they choose both. And one of the things it talked about was these, these different actually parts of the individual mm -hmm. and how the, the current adult individual needs to actually acknowledge that now they are okay. Now they are in control yeah. and almost go back and like comfort and heal and acknowledge like things are different now. Yeah. I am safe now. I ha and it's like, it's exactly what you're, what you're talking about. That's key. I am safe now. Cause I would say the two basic human needs, you know, we can say love, love's a human need for sure. But if we really look at like what we need in that is we need to feel safe and we need to feel seen. And we can expand upon those, but those are the primary things. Every human being needs to feel safe and every human being needs to feel seen. If you don't have both, if, if one is missing or two is missing, you're going to spend the rest of your life looking for that. And, and until you look for it and can find it inside yourself and in life in healthy ways, you will be looking for it in all the places you didn't get in childhood which means you attract the same kind of relationships as mom and dad, the same kind of job experiences as high school, so on and so forth. The same kind of eating behavior that soothes you as a child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christine, you're every bit as awesome as you were when you were 25. Um, oh, I don't know if I was so awesome. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were pretty awesome. I was pretty impressed that you wrote a book at that age. I, thought, I was like, damn, what's she doing? How'd she do that? Well, you um, definitely impressed me. That's for sure. You're wonderful. And everybody... Tell them again, but I mean, tell them about your books. I, they're available everywhere, but, um, you know, what should we start reading first? And most importantly, like, how do we sign up for the course? And you gave me like a special discount. Yep. ChristineHassler.com slash mastery. And then if you use the code, I think you got the code there. Health. Yeah. And you get $200 off a $200 discount. Really? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are new to me and new to this work. So, and we wanted, you know, people to really feel like, we're, we're, I, I really just so acknowledge anyone that's willing to do the work, to willing to take an honest look at themselves because it's not easy. It's way easier to numb ourselves with work, with TV, with the internet, with all those things than it is to dive deep. Um, but, you know, once we do, oh my gosh, it's life gets so much easier. 
gets so much easier. And I would say in terms of a book, um, my last book is called Expectation Hangover. And that the course and the book work really well together if you want like a double whammy. But God, I wanted life- to get into that with you. Damn it. I just completely, I got so caught up in our conversation. I'm like, oh my God, we didn't talk about that at all. And oh, it's another okay. huge problem. Okay. You need to come back because we need to talk about that. Guys, christinehassler.com slash mastery. Read her books, check out her work. You can see how incredible she is. Thank you so much. And I, I want to do that segment. So I'm, you're, you're coming back. Do you like it or not? I'm, I, I, I will have an expectation hangover if I don't come back. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs>